It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. And welcome to the show. My name is Matthew Newts at Nasty Newts on Twitter. Uh, with me tonight, as always, Joshua Adkins at Dynasty Oasis on Twitter. Crazy, uh, crazy week of NFL football on huh, Josh. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild one. Uh, I can't say it's been the the funnest week of fantasy football for me. Uh, I'm putting up a dreadful number in our big contract league, um, but all in all, it was a fun week. Uh, certainly, a lot of uh, close competitive games and uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one key major injury in the league and uh, Dak Prescott. We'll get into that later when we recap the game, but. That's going to have wide ramifications for pretty much all of your teams. I'm sure a, a fair amount of you have at least one share of a cowboy on your roster. So we're going to try to give you some advice on that situation later in the show. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we got a lot of things to figure out for what we just saw and what we what we think we're going to see going forward. Well, yeah, I feel like we're getting to a point in the season now where we're starting to kind of figure out who these teams are. Um it, it sort of felt like for the first time, uh, you know, despite some of my lineups not going the way I was hoping, that I felt like I had a beat on who these teams were coming into the week and kind of what they were coming out of the week. And so um, we're kind of getting enough of a sample size, as much as you can get in football, something to start to really, you know, put some faith in. And uh, I think that's good for, for fantasy lineups. Yeah, and certainly with no preseason this year, I, I know a lot of us have probably felt behind the eight ball quite a bit, just trying to figure out, is this a trend? Is this a mirage? Is this real? Is it, you know, small sample size is going to continue? One name that comes to mind, and that is Robbie Anderson. Like, is this a trend or mirage? We might have seen enough in the preseason or in a normal year where we would have had a better feeling for this. But uh, I guess we could just lead into that game yeah. now since I brought up Robbie Anderson Another really good showing for him. So I, I, I feel like we're we're starting to see that this Carolina Panthers team isn't what we projected them to be. Everyone thought no. they were going to be in the Trevor Lawrence hunt, but <laughs> now it looks like they might be in the playoff hunt. So any thoughts on the Panthers? Do you think this is real? Or well, not? yeah. Yeah, I do. And so yeah, real quick on the, the Anderson versus uh, DJ Moore uh, deal. Uh, obviously, I think DJ Moore owners are uh, breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief today. Um, but this was the Robbie Anderson show again. Obviously, DJ has the big play in the touchdown, but uh, Anderson has 13 targets to, to Moore's five. Um, the good news on Moore was they did sort of run him in some of these intermediate and short areas. It felt like they were trying to use him as more than just a, a vertical threat, um, but there's no doubt that Teddy Bridgewater, who's, who's balling, by the way. I mean, Teddy looks awesome to me. Um, Certainly. The, the quick release was always something that was sort of upper echelon in his game, but uh, it looks like there's a little more uh, ball velocity uh, than we've seen in past years. Um, and, and so he's really spinning it right now. Um, I think this, this Carolina team is for real. Um, this defense uh, that they piled all these draft picks in looks good to me. Um, how, where are you on this? Are they they uh, contenders? Yeah, they're starting to make me a believer. I don't think they're a championship contender. I'm not going to get carried away there, but this is a team like Teddy wins ball games, man. Mm -hmm. I, I know that's cliche, but he's proven it pretty much every step of his career. I'm so happy to see him have this opportunity as a massive Teddy Bridgewater fan. I'm, I'm really happy to see this thing going right for him. Um, yeah, I'm starting to believe in not just this team, but 
Matt's just starting to kind of think about Teddy as a viable fantasy option with these weapons, with Robbie Anderson and him completely in sync. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to use DJ more. I mean, I know a lot of his production came on one play, but still like they're not going to let that kind of a weapon go to complete waste. And I think Mike Davis is kind of carving out, um, he looks awesome. A role for him when McCaffrey's back, they got to use him somehow still. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's kind of one of my big like talking points here. First off, um, what do dynasty owners, what, what are you advising dynasty owners who have Mike Davis? Let's, let's assume you don't have Christian McCaffrey. What are you doing with Mike Davis as long? Cause you're right. He's got a role regardless of McCaffrey, I think at this point. And I think he's maybe earned himself a job someplace else, maybe in the future. Cause McCaffrey is so transcendent that I don't think maybe you can keep both, but you know, what are you doing with Davis and dynasty? It's a really good question and something that I've been struggling with a lot, um, being someone that does own McCaffrey in Dynasty Leagues. I feel like I really probably need to go out and try and acquire Mike Davis on my team. Seems like a pretty necessary handcuff. If not, it, it might just be for this year. But, but yeah, I agree. He's probably earning himself an opportunity somewhere, whether somewhere. it's there as McCaffrey's, you know, spell back or maybe someone who has a need at the running back position trades for him or I'm not sure his contract situation and I'm assuming he's on a one-year deal but I yeah that's my uh, uh, understanding as well yeah but yeah right now I kind of put his value on a a second round rookie draft pick kind of somewhere in that territory that's about where I am too and I guess it would just sort of depend upon if I'm contending or not I think I'd buy for that that price if I'm if I'm contending, um, but I guess maybe it doesn't. I mean, he got ten targets yesterday, caught nine of them for sixty yards and a touchdown. I mean, this doesn't feel manufactured. It doesn't feel fake. It feels like Mike Davis is a pretty. I mean, my eyes are telling me he's a good running back. He's breaking tackles. He's getting open. He's finding holes. Um, he looks awesome to me. Why don't we flip it around to the Atlanta side? Um, so Todd Gurley had the big day that we sort of talked about on the Thursday show. Um, are you in the same camp with me that that get out now, go shopping for a first, go take him and um, maybe a guy like Keenan Allen and try to upgrade at a position? Where are you at with Todd Gurley? I like that train of thought to to package him in a way to upgrade. Um, yeah, I, I'm not on the Todd, Todd Gurley um, side of things. I don't roster him anywhere, so... Um, the one dynasty league I did have him, I, I traded him a couple of years ago. So I was, I was getting off that bandwagon, you know, a long time ago, but yeah, yeah, if, if you're, if you're still rostering Todd Gurley, now would be a great time to shop him around. And, and I do like your, your there of trying to package him with a receiver or even another running back to just try and upgrade and solidify that position for long term Cause this isn't going to last super long. No, the 35-yard touchdown he had um, was frankly a blown assignment by uh, the safety who they they aligned right in the middle of the hole. Um, and I don't know if they were in man coverage or why he bailed. He, he tried to go following the tight end backside um, and ran himself right out of the play. Uh, it should have been a, a short gain. It ended up as a 35-yard touchdown. And while you'll take the points if you've got him in the lineup, uh, I don't think anybody who watched that play said, wow, Todd Gurley looks dynamic. Um, they saw the big running lane. He did not look fast once he got out into open space. If you can sell off of this this uh, big game, I would. Um, okay, so 
you know, I, I think that's kind of the big takeaway. This Carolina defense is a better secondary than I think maybe we've given them credit for. Um, the pass rush can get after people. Matt Ryan had a bad day here, but um, and I guess it kind of appears that this offense sort of needs Julio Jones, despite Ridley putting up wide receiver num- numbers without um, without him in the lineup, either either in the lineup or not in the lineup, I should say. Um, it appears this offense needs Julio to move. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, when they're one-dimensional, like, like they kind of were in their passing game. It was all Calvin Ridley, and he still put up his numbers. But for that offense to function properly, they really do need both of them involved. All right. Well, so real quick, they fired Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov uh, this morning. So just before we leave this game, I wanted to just have a general conversation on on Atlanta long term. Um, Arthur Blank would not commit to Matt Ryan being the starting quarterback long term. He's 35 years old currently. What do you expect from this team? Is is Matt Ryan a sell? Do you do you go buy him because he could very easily move on from here and end up in San Francisco with his old coordinator? I mean, what's sort of your long-term prognosis on this situation and maybe Matt Ryan more specifically? The uncertainty in Atlanta does, I would say, hurt his value some because that's a pretty rosy situation for a quarterback. Um, I have really small, or I'm pretty confident he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. Could it be a situation, though, that's much worse than Atlanta as far as skill position? Yeah. So, yeah, his value definitely takes a hit. It was a pretty, uh, pretty weak vote of confidence there by the ownership. Uh, yeah. This is actually a really attractive destination for a head coach though. Like this, if, if I were Eric B enemy, this would be probably on my short list of, of opportunities right now. He could do some really fun things with that offense. And I, I would like to see how Matt Ryan could perform under his tutelage. Well, I love Eric B enemy. I'm going to disagree with you though, on, on the, the coat, you know, just how good of a job this is. The reason I think they almost have to move on from Matt Ryan is let's say they're in the top six to eight. I don't see their, I mean, they don't need offensive skill weapons. They don't need offensive line. They've invested a bunch in. I feel like they're, they're solidified there. I think they're like six pieces away from it on defense. So I just, I wonder what they can do with just one piece next year. I feel like this is a full teardown. Um, and for that reason, if you don't have Matt Ryan and you're doing a full teardown, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit worried about this team long term. And and like you said, Ryan's going to have a job next year. Uh, I have no doubt about that. Um, I'm just really starting to wonder if it's in Atlanta or not. Well, they are zero and five, and <laughs> if if that kind of record trajectory continues, they're going to be you know drafting one, two, three, four, or five. Would they draft one of these quarterbacks? Right. Like, That's my that, thinking. That makes. That makes the situation pretty damn attractive to me, I would think. I know their defense needs a lot of work, but I would love to take over that team with a Trey Lance or Fields or even Lawrence if things go really bad. Like I would think that would be one of the coaching candidates' top choices there to to grow up with that young quarterback with already having Julio and Ridley. That'd be pretty sweet, I think. That's not a bad point. You're right, because if they're going to be that bad, they they will have one of these these top picks on their team. Um, I think we should move on from this game, or we're gonna get we're gonna get too long here. Uh, a little less interesting game here, but still a lot of stuff to talk about. Jacksonville at Houston. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I was kind of trying to think of like what the most um, salient point here on this game to to lead into, and, and 
I guess this game kind of went how I expected it to. Pretty ugly game, uh, a little closer than the final score would indicate, but neither one of these teams is very good. But you got a lot of players on both these teams that are going to produce in fantasy. Like Gardner Minshew didn't play well, but he still had 300 yards and two touchdowns, mm-hmm. put up put up a good box score for you. But yeah, I, I guess I was a little bit down on his performance. Um, the ball just didn't seem to be coming out of his hand the same way I'm used to. It was a lot of ducks, a lot of wobbly passes. So even though the numbers were there, I was a little discouraged by his performance. Well, then I'll go to the other side of the of the field with the other quarterback. And, and obviously, Deshaun Watson gets a little bit done here. Uh, 25 for 35, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, does throw two interceptions. Um, this was a game where the, the Jags line or defensive line was very depleted, and they did not get pressure to Deshaun Watson in the manner that most everybody else has been able to. Um, and despite that, he didn't exactly um play brilliantly um he didn't play bad he's certainly not a bad quarterback but man again if you're looking at teams with sort of hopeless scenarios no first no second i'm sort of starting to wonder if maybe this is a good sell time on deshaun watson um in terms of long term just because i don't see this getting better in a year or two um, despite his talent, I feel like they're wasting some of his best years. Do you feel the same, or would you be in buying Deshaun Watson on kind of a slow start? Yeah, I'll be honest. I hadn't really thought about um, Deshaun as a sell, but now that you kind of made that point, I tend to agree. Um, especially in a super flex league, people are going to be paying a high premium for a quarterback. If you can trade him for, you know, a Justin Herbert and a piece like I'm pulling the trigger right now on the deal like that. I kind of like that idea. I'm just, yeah, I'm really nervous about his long-term value. Um, most teams, I would say that they'll fix it. But again, this team is so draft depleted. Bill O'Brien has left them in such a hole that uh, I don't know. I'm just worried about his long-term value, both in one quarterback and in dynasty. Um, certainly I'd love to have him as the quarterback of my NFL team, but in terms of fantasy, I don't know. Uh, I feel like he's out there on an Island and helps not on its way for a couple of years. So, um, did you have anything else on this game? I mean, I thought, uh, cooks obviously looked really good here. Um, Will Fuller got the one touchdown, but, uh, can you count on either of them? Well, Will Fuller was actually one of my points to maybe bring up in this game because he was a guy that I was never a big fan of in the past. But for whatever reason this year, I thought the opportunity was worth investing in. So I I did get a few shares of Fuller. I just figured he would be the guy that had Deshaun's eye the most. And his production so far this year has actually been rather consistent. So I was just kind of curious if maybe you were higher on him as a talent than I was, or if it's just kind of an opportunity thing for you as well. This is uh, Fuller, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do think it's an opportunity thing. Um, I don't, I've never been a huge fan of his talent. I think he's fast, obviously, but he's, he's been injury prone. He's never really been able to put it all together. Um, at the end of the year, I'll be willing to potentially change my tune if he keeps doing what he's doing. Um, but right now I'm more in the camp of, of sell while you, while you can, while the value is good. Um, on the uh, Jacksonville side, you talked about Gardner Minshew. James Robinson doesn't get much done here. Uh, but he is catching the ball consistently, so if you're in PPR, that's kind of saving you. 
Uh, really silly fumble. Did you see the the fourth down play where they pitched it to him and he was going to do the halfback pass and he ended up fumbling? Yeah, that was a really messy play. Um, I actually had a wager on the Jaguars, so that play had me kind of <laughs> pulling my hair out. Uh, I just didn't understand the five-and-a-half-point line on this game, so that's why I, I liked Jacksonville in that spot. I just didn't think the Texans deserved to give five-and-a-half points to anyone in this league. But, <laughs> yeah, the Jakes definitely let me down in a variety of ways. But fantasy-wise, you know, there were still some guys at eight, so that was at least encouraging. But, yeah, that, that play design was just hideous. It was bad. And Chenault looked really good here. Um, I think maybe we just real real quick bring up rookie uh, wide receiver out of Texas, Colin Johnson. Uh, he caught a touchdown here. He looked kind of good. He made two pretty spectacular catches just out of bounds. Um, DJ Chark's hurt again. Is there any interest for you there in deeper leagues? In uh, Johnson? Colin yeah, Johnson, I, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I was kind of a fan of him coming into the draft, and the situation was a little confusing if I liked the – liked the landing spot for him or not. Um, a lot of young guys that I actually kind of like, but if he carves himself out a role there, yeah, I do have, I do have some buy interest there for, you know, I'm not going to give up a, a ton for him, but maybe float a third round pick or, you know, underutilized talent kind of thing. I do, I do kind of, I would have a little bit of interest in him or even in a package deal, maybe sneak him in there. See if you can, get him as a little cherry on the top of the Sunday. Yeah, I've been impressed with what I've seen so far, and and he brings a dynamic that they don't really have, which is that jump ball player, especially if Chark's going to be out. So um, I am interested for the the time being. I think we should uh, move on here. Um, Do you mind if I I tilt a little bit here? Because I think you've tilted on this subject. Maybe we can tilt together a little bit. Um, Stop putting good receivers back for punt return. You have Ray Ray (laughs) McLeod. Why is Deontay Johnson returning a punt? I mean, maybe I'm the curse. This is this is two times in a row now that I've picked Philly Pittsburgh and waxed poetic about how excited I am to see Deontay Johnson, only to see him go out in the first quarter. Um, but yeah, I was really frustrated watching this game yesterday, uh, knowing that they have a guy like McLeod who can take these type of touches, and then to see McLeod lead the team in rushing on what was a, like, 50-yard end-around that I think Deontay Johnson, if healthy, scores on. Boy, I was tilting my face off on this one. I have so many Deontay shares. And then on top of it all, uh, probably the big takeaway of the entire uh, fantasy weekend, Chase Claypool, I mean, there's no going back from that. There's no going back from that. He is the wide receiver one on this team. Um, What did you make of Claypool? I mean, let's, let's really dive into this. What do you make of this? Um, I got some more questions for you, but just give me your quick reactions on Chase for this first week here. Certainly any four-touchdown game is surprising and unexpected, but that being said, I'm not that shocked that Chase Claypool is capable of a a massive monster game. I saw one of those, I don't know what the right um, term for it, like a circle chart where they they put all the measurables out in each like height, weight, arm length broad mm-hmm. jump basically every measurable you would want in a wide receiver and basically all of his were touching the outside of the circle like <laughs> every one of his measurables is basically off the charts like he's got the potential to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL with just his body yeah if if he puts the work in to become an all-around great route runner um he can just body any defender in the league out of any 
jump ball situation. It, his speeds there, runs a four four forty. I think this is for real. And that was actually my question for you. For dynasty purposes, how would you rank these Pittsburgh receivers right now? And you already alluded to your answer. You, you, you think he's their wide receiver one, and I tend to agree. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's even really all that much of a question anymore. Um, and, and what's funny to me is is I kind of touched on this uh, on the Thursday show when we were talking about Kasicki. This is what I mean. If you want a big slot, go get a big slot. He is so scary from that spot. I just, I mean, I don't know where Juju goes at this point. I don't know how Deontay Johnson, I, I, I think this is so for real. I think he's the wide receiver one. Um, we don't have to get too much into the long-term ramifications here because I think we've both been on record saying Juju probably moves on at the end of the year. I think this hammered that home. So I'm advocating patience on Deontay Johnson because I do think he's a supremely talented player and maybe is more suited to be a number two. Um, Claypool is the real deal. So real quick, so on our last show, we did a rookie draft. Uh, You were the one smart enough to, to take Chase Claypool. Uh, of these receivers, how many of them would you still take, you know, that we both took? How many would you still take uh, Claypool over? Um, I think we both would take him over Rager at this point. Is that an agreement? Without a doubt. Ayuk? Yes. Henry Ruggs? I would, but uh, I know you're, you've are you always been much higher on Ruggs than I have. I might have even taken him over Rager and Ruggs. Anyways, ahead of okay, before, well, so, before this game, okay, so I'll take I'll still take rugs, but that's kind of the one guy that I think is still a surprise. But LaVisca, I'll take, um, yeah, I'll take Claypool, Claypool? Over LaVisca, yeah, and and Higgins. I hate to be so overreactionary to one game, <laughs> but it's it's hard not to overreact to a four touchdown game, and yeah, I'm taking Claypool over Higgins. Okay, and then Judy Lamb and Jefferson, are they still, you're still uh, them over the top of, of Claypool? Or is there one of those that you would take Claypool over at this point? For sure, Lamb and Judy. Yeah. Clay, okay. Claypool and Jefferson's interesting because there's some uncertainty long-term with their quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we know Cousins is going to be the quarterback of the Vikings next year or the year after? I don't think we can say we know that. And Ben's, what, 38 years old so you got to wonder about who's going to be throwing him the ball two three years from now so that one's pretty close for me i still think i'd go jefferson though okay all right well and and i'm in agreement with all of them except for rugs um so uh, i think we should move on from there that was so much fun to see except for the fact that i don't own him anywhere um i probably should have invested we've talked about pittsburgh and their propensity to to draft wide receivers um we didn't follow our, our, you know, one of the golden rules of fantasy, which is when they draft a receiver, you should draft him. Um, moving on to Travis Fulgham, another kind of big athletic wide receiver uh, on the other side here for Philadelphia. This was sort of uh, an awakening for this offense based on what I saw. Um, it looked like when Wentz started finding Fulgham, a little bit of his, you know, swagger, a little bit of his confidence came back. Um, and this offense moved a little bit better. Um, certainly not a guy that was, you know, real high on draft radars last year when he came out of old dominion. Um, but, uh, what did you see out of Fulgham and are you buying that this could be something long-term or does Alshon take this job back when he eventually gets healthy? If he ever does. 
I definitely struggled with this one, and I was hoping you would answer this question basically <laughs> for me. That was my note. I was going to ask you, Fulgham, your thoughts. Because, uh, well, yeah, I know I, I did watch about every Old Dominion game last or two <laughs> years ago. Um, but, yeah, no, I really didn't have much of a knowledge on him coming in to this opportunity. So, But he did impress me in this game, certainly. He looked he looked talented. But if I, if I rostered him, which I, I don't, but I would certainly try and sell high on this because I don't think this lasts. But it's, it's really too early to make a grand proclamation one way or the other. So I, I hate to be wishy-washy on it. I wish I could tell you go out and buy or go out and sell now because I, I – I, could easily be wrong either way, but I would lean to just try and sell high. Someone might have been wowed by it, but I think it's just a, a matter of opportunity. They got a lot of receivers coming back, Rager, Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. He could easily fall into obscurity pretty quick. He could. Um, I guess I would say I'm closer to the buy side, and the reason I say that is I just I, – I don't know why the Eagles – keep putting stock in, in Alshon and, and Deshaun. They're never healthy. They they can't stay healthy when they do get healthy. This team needs somebody, and it's not Greg Ward. Um, and as much as I love Dallas Goddard, I mean, I don't know that that's the saving grace either. We saw what that would look like last year. Uh, this was a kick in the butt for this team. And, I, I you know, he certainly doesn't have the capital invested that, that a guy like Claypool. So it's not one of these deals where it's like, well, you can't go back from this. You, you certainly could put him right back on the bench and I don't think anybody in the league would bat an eye um but I think I'm more on the on the buy side that this could be real because they're looking for somebody um by the way they're looking for somebody to take this role JJ Arcega Whiteside had one catch for 37 yards don't read too much into it it was completely meaningless right at the end of the half um yeah I think Fulgham gives them something they don't have and so I'm I'm real interested can we talk Ertz and Juju real quick um are you buying or selling either of these players right now based on, you know, a couple really pretty brutal weeks? I would say I'm buying Juju and selling Ertz. Probably holding Ertz, actually. But if I had to choose buy or sell, I would sell. Yeah. Juju, I'm really curious to see where he ends up. I know we speculated on a previous show, but there are a few situations out there I think Juju would do really well in. Um, The one that kind of came to my head the last time we talked to this was Tennessee and I still kind of like that as a landing spot for Juju so I'm curious to see where he goes I would buy now maybe the Juju owner would be frustrated after this Claypool game just be like well I don't want the wide receiver two on this team so I'll see if I can get 90 cents on the dollar and I would definitely pay 90 cents on the dollar for Juju right now Right on. And I, yeah, no, I would too. I think he is a buy because I do think he's a good player and will end up in a better situation next year. Uh, let's move on to Las Vegas, Kansas City. This game was uh, wild. Uh, Las Vegas comes away with the win at Arrowhead. Where do you want to start here? I think we should start on Derek Carr because I thought okay. he looked fantastic in this game. And I think he's looked really good all year. And he got rugs back in this game. And um, I just think. He's making all the throws that we wanted him to make a few years ago. His deep ball's been on point. Uh, that that uh, the deep ball to Ruggs was great. The deep hmm. ball to Nelson Aguilar was great. Awesome. I thought I, I thought Derek Carr really really impressed me in this game, and and I'm kind of a buyer on Derek Carr right now, especially in Superflex. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought he looked really really good. Um, he threw his first interception of the year, and you know what? I don't care. He was taking vertical shots finally, um, and you know. 
Uh, Nelson Aguilar has definitely got critics out there for not catching the ball. I don't think we've ever questioned whether he can separate. Um, and he did that on that long play. Carr laid it out right perfect for him. Um, this is an offense that is looking more vertical than they've ever uh, looked under the John Gruden, uh, in the John Gruden era, I guess I should say. Hunter Renfro even hit one down the field. Um, so that was really exciting to see for me, too, uh, that, that Carr was willing to take some chances. I, throw an interception every now and again. Losing, you know, 10 ball games every year and not throwing interceptions isn't going to get anything done. you got to take some chances, and I was so happy to see him do that. Um, Josh Jacobs here doesn't get a lot done. Um, you know, he scored the two – he scored two touchdowns or one touchdown. I don't have it written down here. Um, uh Two, but two. 77 yards on 23 carries, right. so certainly not efficient. Right, and he's not getting targeted in the passing game. I'm not panicking, um, but it was sort of disappointing to see. I didn't think he looked spectacular. Um, Ruggs, you said, I mean, I think we've all seen the long touchdown. Did, did you see his other catch? Yeah, I watched uh, the whole game, and that was pretty special, too. Yeah, and, if, you know, that was one of the few errors aside from the interception Carr made because I think if he – I don't even think he needed to throw it any deeper. He just needed to throw it more towards the sideline, and Ruggs catches that and probably houses it. Um, so the day could have been bigger despite having 118 yards on two catches. Um, moving over to the Kansas City side here, Mahomes looked a tiny bit off to me, but obviously, he, you know, performed for you in fantasy. He's your quarterback one. Um, I don't think we need to talk a lot about him. Uh, Kelsey also sort of, you know, picked it up a little bit from what's been a sort of a slow start for Travis Kelsey standards, at least. I think what we need to talk about here is Clyde edwards Um, Are we both preaching patience here or are you getting nervous? I'm getting nervous. Um, I'm not sure if I'm overreacting or not, but I feel like this is probably the best situation a running back could hope to land mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. I think if Kareem Hunt's still on this team, he's putting up massive numbers. People are, I think, going to be a little bit afraid or a little bit, I'm trying to think of the right word. I think they're going to get a little panicky soon if he doesn't put up another big box score. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm a little nervous, if if we see another game or two like this, maybe you try and lowball. And just hope that it's, you know, rookie taking some lumps. But, but yeah, I, I'm torn on Clyde right now. I, I was really curious to see if if you were kind of in the same boat. But, yeah, I haven't really seen a whole lot since week one. That's really impressed me. Like, it's just such a good situation, though. Like, I'd be well, really afraid to get out of Dodge on that situation. Yeah, the goal line work is, is confusing, um, both for defenders trying to defend them right now. Because – that's the problem. They're not they're not failing at the goal line right now. They're successful, and they're doing it without having to hand the ball to Clyde Edwards-Zalar out of an eye formation and pound it in. Um, touchdowns are always very fluky. Uh, I think Clyde, after this game, is still averaging over 100 yards from scrimmage every week. Um, I, I really just think the touchdowns will come. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's as good of a situation as you could hope for. I guess really the most concerning thing for me is, well, I guess it's two things. One, it's the inefficiency in the pass game. Three targets, or I'm sorry, eight targets. He only caught three of them. Um, did get 40 yards out of it, but that's, I mean, that's kind of low, of inef- or that's pretty inefficient. Um, and then the snaps in general. Daryl Williams played a lot here. I did not actually look up the actual snap share, but I'd say it was about a 60-40. 
Um, that was something that I would have never seen coming, assuming Clyde was healthy um, and was sort of concerning for me. Um, this was a this was a kind of a crazy game. Did you have anything you wanted to touch on here before we before we move on? No, uh, I think we got to pretty much everything relevant for me. So uh, why don't we get on to uh, what do we got next? Arizona, one of the, the most boring games. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't probably have a whole lot of takes on this game. Uh, it was good to see DeAndre Hopkins get targeted deep mm-hmm. successfully. Mm-hmm. He was being used way too much as a possession receiver, I had thought. So that was really my biggest thing. Just happy to see them chucking it down the field a little bit more. I think they needed to be more vertical. Also, yeah, there Chase, was – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There was no, there was fine. kind of a turning point in this game. Um, from a Kyler Murray standpoint, he came out in the first quarter and a half and kind of looked like the guy we've seen the last two weeks. They were leading the ball game, so – it wasn't too concerning from an Arizona perspective, uh, but for someone like me who's evaluating how this player is playing, right before half, he hit a seam route to Chase Edmonds, and it felt like everything kind of clicked into place after that. And you're absolutely right. They were taking deep shots, and he was accurate with them. And that's really what's been missing the last two weeks. Um, he looks like Dante Hall with the ball in his hand, but he's going to have to be able to throw it. And I thought it was really big in the second half here that he came out and, like you said, he, he hit two big plays to DeAndre Hopkins, got Christian Kirk a little bit more involved. Um, I thought Kyler looked much, much better in the second half. And when I started watching this game, I was sort of like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to have a Kyler conversation here because he is not playing good. And, boy, did he turn it around. Yeah, definitely. I was uh, getting a little – concerned after the last two weeks but this is the kind of performance you expect to see from him especially against the Jets so a bit of a relief certainly in the running game I think we were hoping for a little more clarity this week I'm very (laughs) surprised that Chase Edmonds only had three carries yeah he's in my mind he's definitely the better running back than Kenyon Drake I'm just curious how long it's going to take Cliff Kingsbury to figure that out or if they just prefer him in the in the third down role and don't want to use him in the the trench scenarios yeah well i i don't know if arizona knows what they're doing with this running back scenario but i know what i'm doing as a dynasty manager and i'm going to every every manager in my league and going he just got 19 touches everything is fine and well he scored a touchdown um you know give me 90 percent of what he was worth preseason and I'll, I'll do a deal uh because he doesn't look good he, he's not explosive he breaks no tackles he's not involved in the passing game that's chase edmonds the the breakdown on targets was uh five catches for 56 yards on six targets for edmonds only one target for drake he did catch it for two yards uh i'm getting out i'm getting out at at, even at 80 cents on the dollar uh if i can get a first round pick in justin jackson give me it for Kenyon drake all day right now he does not look good um, and I think kind of your late pick in the uh, the rookie draft, Eno Benjamin, is a guy we need to keep bringing up every episode. Eno Benjamin, if you, if your roster is deep enough, if you have a spot to spare because of an IR issue or something along those, go get Eno Benjamin. I think it's just a matter of time that we see this guy. Um, lastly, I've heard a lot of negative stuff on Denzel Mims, and I don't think it's anything that he's done, um, but it's just more we're seeing the breakouts of, Higgins and Claypool and LaVisca and some of these guys that were taken right around him. Um, you might see an owner or two that feels kind of stupid for picking him. I think he's a target in, in some trades right now. Maybe go throw 
a second and a startable wide receiver four, wide receiver three, um, and see if you get some responses because I think we're both big fans. Absolutely. Totally agree. I know we kind of touched on this late in our episode last week, but if you weren't listening to that in our rookie redraft, I think this situation could turn around in a hurry for him. This is a team that's almost certainly drafting a quarterback in this upcoming mm-hmm. draft. Trevor Lawrence could be the Jets quarterback a year from now, and Denzel Mims could easily be his most targeted wide receiver. That that definitely feels like a buy to me. If you're buying him, you're obviously not buying for any production this year, but you could buy your way into a wide receiver too pretty easily at, at a much cheaper cost than what it would pay for a wide receiver too. So I, I'm absolutely trying to buy Denzel Mims right now. I totally agree. Um, let's move on to Cincinnati at Baltimore. I haven't asked you this. I didn't ask you this pre-show, but with, with what we're seeing out of Justin Herbert here on Monday night, are you rethinking jo- uh, Joe Burrow over Justin Herbert at 101 in our Superflex draft? Or it's is funny it still you, Burrow? Sorry, it's funny ahead. you asked me that because that thought did creep <laughs> into my head. Um, I, I'm I'm still going Burrow, but yeah. it's 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 not a massive separation right now. Justin Herbert has been very impressive in what I've seen so far from this season and the little bit of the game I watched before we started recording. It's yeah. a really tough matchup for Joe Burrow, so I don't want to overreact in a negative way to him in this game. Baltimore, I think, has the best defense in the NFL. They do, and they, they tricked him all day, and you know, I think a lot's been made about the fact that the Cincinnati O-line is not nothing special. They've, they've got holes there. Um, and so I don't know how much of this was bad O-line play, how much of it's a rookie quarterback not recognizing where the blitz is coming from and getting his team into the right protection. Uh, but they harassed him all day. It was not a good game for, for Joe. Um, this Cincinnati offense is going to see better days. Uh, A.J. Green leaves here. After only drawing one target on the day, hurts his hamstring. Uh, the window's closed. I don't know what you do. I think you got to hold at this point. I mean, if you could pull a third for AJ, would you do it? Yeah, I was actually thinking he's almost droppable. Yeah, depending upon the size of the league. I mean, he's such a big name that one touchdown catch and maybe you can get out at some point for a second or a third. But uh, boy, it's it's tough to see because he's one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, Higgins uh, looked pretty good again in this game. He led the team in targets. Um, real, really no mental mistakes. The the you know he caught four of his eight targets. The targets he didn't catch were kind of you know just heaves out of bounds and so on. Um, I thought he looked good, um, but obviously tough defense. Better days ahead. Uh, I think we should talk a little Lamar Jackson. Um, obviously the big fantasy numbers have not been there. Um, but are you seeing anything from him that makes you concerned long-term or is this more of just uh, better days are ahead? This game got ugly quick. I've, I'm a little concerned from the fantasy side. I think he's uh-huh. trying to work really hard on just being a passer. Yeah. And I think that's something you're going to see a lot on these mobile quarterbacks around this time in their career. It seems like they get to a point in their career where they feel like they need to prove or their coaches feel like they need to just work really hard on being a passer because the legs may not be there forever. So it may be a smart kind of career decision for him. But if he loses the carries, like two carries in this game, that's concerning. Yards, maybe yeah. maybe it was just a game script kind of thing. Why why risk getting him hurt in a game you're going to win pretty easily? But yeah, if, if he's not running the ball, his value goes way down for me. 
Yep. Luckily, he was able to get the, the two pass catchers we all care about, Marquise Brown and Andrews, into the end zone. Uh, both saw more tar- – I mean, the, the targets were really funneled between those two guys. Uh, so I think that is a good thing to see going forward. But you're right. Uh, Lamar Jackson, if he's not going to run it, um, that puts him more in the quarterback 8 to 12 range every week. And, you know, he's so talented that I just – I can't I can't fathom that they would just completely take that out of his repertoire. But um, definitely trying to scale it back, I think, at this point. Um, why don't we move on here to a game that I didn't see a heck of a lot of because uh, this was one of your games. Um LA Rams score 30 here. Did they take more explosive shots? Did they did they take my advice in this game? They did try a few deep shots to Robert Woods. One of them connected for a touchdown. The other one late in the game. The game was pretty much already in hand, and it was rainy out, but Robert Woods kind of let one slip between his hands that he should have okay. caught and scored a touchdown on. So this could have been a much bigger game for Robert Woods. You don't like to see the drops, but Robert Woods is a pretty darn consistent wide receiver, and that doesn't concern me at all. Um, yeah, I think they were trying to take your advice a little bit too on the, as far as getting Gerald Everett more involved in the passing game. He really impressed me in this game. And um, I think he might be more of the tight end. You want to roster going forward over Tyler Higby. I think he's a much better athlete. And I I was actually very impressed by some of his um, run after the catch ability in this game. So I could see him becoming more and more of a weapon for them. Um, yeah, one thing, sorry, sorry go ahead. Ahead. yeah, he's an interesting guy to me. Um, obviously, you know, I, I watched a lot of Higby for uh, tight end physicality reality or uh, physical graffiti, excuse me. Um, but you know, uh, I think what's happened is they've gone back to more of what they were 2018. Um, they ran a lot of gap and power towards the end of last season and, and they're back to that outside zone, more finesse team. And that to me is Gerald Everett. And I, I, I said that in the write up that I, you know, if they're going to stay with who they were last year, it's Tyler Higby. And if they're going to revert back to their Super Bowl year, it, maybe it's more of Gerald Everett. And I think that is what you're seeing here. Um, I think you got to talk about Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Um, did either impress you? Was there no blocking for Henderson? Obviously, I've got the stat line here. Akers did a little bit more with his touches. What did you see? Well, the the running game as a whole was kind of – kind of rough um acres stat line looks better just because of the one big play okay um they're all all their you know yards per carry would all be pretty much in the same territory but that i I did want to talk about that 46 yard run for cam acres because i rewatched that play a few times i was actually really impressed by his vision on that play there was no real apparent hole when he got the ball in his hands and he kind of found a hole that I wouldn't have even thought that was there. So he kind of stepped to the outside of the tackle, kind of a zone run. But he found a hole that I didn't really see, and he made a couple guys miss and broke off a pretty long run. So I was impressed by that. I do think Daryl Henderson played better than the stat line would indicate. Okay. He just didn't have a lot of blocking in front of him. But he did score two touchdowns, so we're glad to see that. The guy that I'm really kind of – curious about how they use going forward is Malcolm Brown Mm -hmm. I don't really see the reason for them to use him much more I think this needs to be more of a two-man platoon Um, I think Akers deserves looks and I think Henderson deserves a lot of looks Uh, the snaps in this game Henderson had 29 Brown had 26 Akers had 13 I really hope that those numbers flip between Brown and Akers and we're seeing more of like a 30 30 and 5 type deal I think that would be in fantasy managers' best interests. Well, and but real yeah, quick, 
sorry, I didn't I didn't watch this game, but uh, both in this game and and in games I've seen previously, one thing that's really impressed me about Daryl Henderson, and I don't know who's going to win this job long term. I really don't. I kind of like both guys. I think they both have their uh, their warts, if you will. But when I've watched Daryl Henderson run, man, that guy could run full speed under a kitchen table. I mean, he runs so low to the ground, and there's so much more power than his frame or size would indicate to you. Um, I thought the pro football reference or pro football focus number two rating was a little bit ridiculous, just like we talked about last week with Justin Jefferson. But I've really liked what I've seen out of him. Um, and so I was I was really sort of, you know, again, we're we're in this, you know, mixture of who do we who do we trust week in and week out with this backfield. And so uh, it's good to hear that. I, I think what you're ultimately saying is that Malcolm Brown, based on what we saw here, should be getting phased out, maybe not all at once, but over the course of the next four to six weeks. I tend to agree. Um, and yeah, Malcolm Brown, I he really impressed me in week one, and he hasn't done much since that's impressed me. Daryl Henderson is still my preferred running back in this offense, but it's never going to be a bell cow situation. It's, it's going to be Henderson and Akers going forward, and if you can stomach a committee, I think these are two interesting guys to roster. I'm not sure how I value Henderson. I know I have him in a few places, and I've been really torn on what to do with him. I, I've been very happy with what he's given me in the interim, especially in the league where I lost McCaffrey. I needed someone yeah. to step up, and he and stepped Lindsay. up for me in a big way. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm still thinking it might be a good sell opportunity, but I actually do believe in him. So I, I'm kind of torn. It might just be a hold. We got to keep moving uh, real quick. Antonio Gibson, uh, 16 touches for 54 yards, pretty inefficient. Was there room or was he missing things? Uh, what did you see out of him? Because I think people need to kind of, you know, they got excited at least for one week. I don't need to bash him on this game. The quarterbacks did nothing to help him out in yeah. this game. There, it was the, the only thing they could even think about doing was running the ball, and <laughs> it was rainy out there. Alex Smith had nothing. I wish he would never play again. It, it just makes me uncomfortable to watch him play football. I, I know he, he worked really hard to get back. He accomplished that. I think it's time to just hang him up now. But Kyle Allen looked a little more efficient until he got hurt with that nasty head-to-head. But, yeah, Gibson, I just didn't think there was much room for him to do anything in this game, and I don't blame him for it. It's just a bad team. Okay, and one-name answer. The starting quarterback for the Redskins next week is? Well, I guess it just depends on if Kyle Allen clears the concussion protocol. But if he does, I would go Kyle Allen. But I, I think they want it to be Alex Smith. I actually thought I think it was initially reported as concussion. I think it was shoulder actually. Oh, so okay. E- either way, um, okay. You think it's Kyle Allen if he's healthy? I think it should be, but okay. I actually would lean. If I had to bet, I would lean Alex Smith. <laughs> well, let's move on to the uh, the four and one Cleveland Browns. I almost can't even believe I'm saying that. Um, Baker to me, he made his mistakes here, um, but what I saw from Baker is what I loved so much his rookie season which was there was no hesitation. It was when he got to his back foot and he saw it open or he saw what he thought it was open, um, ball came out, and there was no hesitation. It was it was thrown on time, and I saw that from him. He made a couple errors here, um, but I thought all in all he looked pretty, pretty good. What did you think out of Baker? I am a Baker Mayfield fan, much like you, and 
Yeah, there's some head scratching decisions, and I think that just comes with the territory. You know, you want to, you don't want to use the cliche like gunslinger, but that's kind of how he plays football. And mm-hmm. you love it sometimes, you hate it sometimes, but I, I, I enjoy going along for the ride. So I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Baker still, and I think I've been pretty encouraged by how he's played so far this year. Uh, I know he did take a rough shot to the ribs, but it sounds yeah. like there was no broken ribs, so it sounds like he'll be good to go going forward. Yeah, for a while there, I thought it was some sort of shoulder injury, the way he just kind of had his arm hanging. Um, so it was good to see him come back in, and he he he, he winced a couple times when he made some throws, but he did stick stick this one out. So uh, gutsy gutsy game by him. Uh, the Cleveland run game, um, I think there's there's two notes here. One, Indy's a good defense. DeForest Buckner is almost impossible to block. So there was not a lot of running room here for either back. And I say either back, I think that's important to note because we were a little bit worried. Um, Hilliard, if, if Hilliard and uh, Dearness break up this whatever's left over after Hunt, uh, then neither of them are viable. Well, it was pretty much all Dearness Johnson, and he didn't really get anything going beyond uh 128-yard run right at the end when they were you know grinding out the clock. Um, but I think that was at least good to see so that if you need him as a flex in a game where you expect Cleveland to do well, um, or you just kind of know that that is now the direct handcuff to, to Kareem Hunt, if something were to happen, I think it's Dearness Johnson. Um, before we move over to the indie side, you got anything on Cleveland you wanted to touch on? Uh, I tend to agree with you on the Dearness Johnson stuff, but, but yeah, my, my next biggest point in this game was on the indie side. I, I, okay. I just think Philip Rivers sucks now, and I think it's a <laughs> damn shame that they signed him instead of some of the other options that were out there. Cam Newton on this team, they're a Super Bowl contender. This defense is so good. I'm not going to be bothered by Kareem Hunt's tw- 72 yards on 20 carries because this yep. defense is legitimately good. It was a really tough matchup for the Browns, and I think they played about as well as they could have against this Colts defense. This is a team that's just got so many of the right pieces to be a really, really good team, and they signed Phillip Rivers, who used to be good, but now he is awful, and it makes me sad. Yeah, the pick six he threw was unforgivable. The the safety in the end zone, I don't know who he thought. He was barking at the refs like there was there was nobody within 40 yards of where he threw that football. Uh, it was really bad from Rivers, and and like you said, he's really stymieing some of the you know assets on this team that we're really excited about. Um, kind of similar to Kyler Murray, when I watched this game back, I was getting very nervous about. Oh man, we're going to have to have a Jonathan Taylor conversation too. Um, when Baker threw that second interception, the drive right after that. Taylor made three or four really good runs where not only did he find a hole, but he made somebody miss in the hole, found a secondary crease and got upfield. Um, and boy, it really sort of, because I, I have a lot of shares of, of Jonathan Taylor and I was starting to get pretty frustrated. Um, Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines are still seeing way too many touches here. Um, but I did, I, my, my nerves are lessened a little bit after this performance on Taylor. What did you see out of him? I tend to agree, actually, with every point you made. I, I was for a moment. I, I noticed one or two runs early in the game. It's like there was a there hole was a bounce. right yep. there you could yep. have gone to, and you just ran right into the, mm-hmm. the the mass of humanity. So, yeah, I was, I was starting to really question um, his value, but I, I was I left that game a little bit more encouraged than I expected to be. Yep, and, and lastly, T.Y. Hilton gets 10 targets here. 
uh, turns it into six for 69 uh, and no touchdowns. I, I think you try to sell on the volume um, because he does not look like a guy that's getting separation to me right now. Um, and considering the drop issues and the fact he's not a contested catch guy to begin with, I'm really nervous uh, that T.Y. That Hilton is, is wilting in front of us. Um, so I'm getting out where I can, where I can afford to. Um, and I guess, I don't know if I'm looking for a price, I'd probably do it for a second. And I mean, could you get a second and a wide receiver five? I mean, I'm, I'm blanking on a name right now, but I think you could get something like that done. And I think I'm advocating for it right now. Why don't we move on to, uh, one of the games you were pretty excited about and, uh, sort of got lopsided quick Miami at San Francisco. Definitely not what we expected, right? I mean, <laughs> we were all, at least I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I think most of us were pretty excited to see this Niners offense get whole. And Jimmy Garoppolo looked like he needed another week or two on the, yeah. the old bench to recover from that ankle injury. I think it really affected him in this game. I don't want to bash him too hard, even though he did play completely terrible in that first half but I think he was still largely affected by his ankle which is his plant foot his balls were just you could tell they they weren't going where he wanted them to high they were low they were left they were right he was just missing every which way and it seemed like every time he missed one way he tried to overcompensate the other way but his balls had no life on them that no zip wobbly passes 20 yards over someone's head it was it was ugly and I don't blame them for pulling him but I think they they need to really just wait until they know that ankle is good to go. And it's unfortunate that we may not get some clarity on that situation for a few weeks. I was glad to see Raheem Mostert back in this game. I thought he looked mm-hmm. really good. I'm a big fan of his talent, and I think he makes that offense a lot more interesting than the other backs. They did try to force some targets to Jarek McKinnon, mostly in the passing game. A few screen plays that just kind of got blown up right away, but they didn't really give him any carries. Kind of the spell back in this game, which surprised me a little bit, was Jeff Wilson. I know he only had four carries, but it seemed like when they wanted to spell Moster, that's the direction they went. So that's at least worth noting because in a positive game script situation, this is going to be a backfield that gets way more than 19 carries as a tandem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I, w- I wonder if that's not load management based on what Jarek's had to do the last couple weeks. If they just said it's not worth it in this game to put any more abuse on your body and gave it to, to Jeff Wilson Jr., so, so real quick on Jimmy G, I, one note that I had watching this game, uh, and I'd be curious if you had the similar takeaway. He got hit really hard backside by a guy named Van Ginkle. And I thought after that, I mean, he may have been hurt coming into this game. I thought after that, all confidence was gone, and he was frantic in the pocket, and that's when you saw the two interceptions happen. That's when you saw more sacks happen. So I'm not disputing that he had an ankle injury. But they've left uh, Ross Dwelly, their backup tight end, on an island with this guy, and he absolutely blew up Jimmy. And uh, nothing was right from there, from then on. Certainly could be the case. And I don't want to shortchange the Dolphins either. They played fantastic in this game. Granted, they were Mm -hmm. put in a lot of plus situations from the turnovers. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, I... He's just one of the more underappreciated quarterbacks of this era. He's so unafraid to just sling the ball wherever the hell he <laughs> feels like. And, you know, there are going to be games like this where he just falls ass backwards into a 350-3. and three. Like <laughs> he, He's going to win a lot of fantasy matchups if you have the guts to start him. So um, one, thing, one thing on Fitzpatrick and just this passing game in general, 
Um, be tracking San Francisco's injury report this week. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but they targeted basically what, what would be the right side of the defense, the left side of the offense, over and over and over again. Number 47, 48 were both practice squad guys activated this week. That was the 70-yard t- you know, long play to Gasicki. It was the touchdown to, to Devontae Parker. They were killing this matchup early in the game, and if that's who San Francisco has to trot out again, boy, I, I don't, I'm trying to think who they play. I think it's the Rams, but maybe get your Robert Woods in, in because that's an exploitable matchup based on what I saw. Um, yeah, real I'm quick, trying to, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I was trying to think of who number 48 even is, but he was getting picked on hard in that game. So, yeah, I, de- I definitely like your point there because that's a cornerback that you're going to want to fade if – if you have a opposing wide receiver for sure. Um, I thought Miles Gaskin looked pretty good in this game um, for the most part, uh, more in the passing game. So I guess than the running game, I think that's kind of interesting to me. I didn't see him as a, a big pass catching back before this week, but five grabs for 91 yards. You know, you, you love to see that if you're, or excuse me, I just mixed him up with Gasecki in the box score, two MGs, so five for 34, not quite 91, but you'll still maybe, take it in PPR. Real quick, sure. uh, Debo Samuel, eight targets, two catches, only 19 yards. Panic or patience? Patience. I, patience. I'm not going to panic on any wide receiver in this game for the Niners. It was just kind of a lost game with uh, weird quarterback stuff, so I'm, I'm not going to worry about Ayuk or Samuel or anyone in this game. Burn the tape. Let's move on to uh, the Giants at Dallas. This was a fun game with the exception of, uh, like we talked about, the Dak Prescott thing. And I think that's where we should start. Um, first off, let me say it was it was gruesome to watch. I was unfortunately eating when it happened. Uh, it was a tough one to watch. And, you know, I was borderline tearing up watching him get carted off. I feel so bad for the guy without a contract. Um, I, I'm not so sure he wants to sign with this team long term um maybe we got time for that um let's just say i'm i'm really sad for dak i'm sad for cowboy fans and and i hope he comes back uh more so than i you know am worried about the cowboy fans just you know worried about dak 100% is you know gut wrenching all the all the things you just said i completely agree with and if i'm dak you know obviously we want him to have a successful surgery and get healthy. That's what's most important. But I mean, they tried to lowball him over and over again, mm-hmm. and I don't blame him one bit for for holding out for what he deserves. And if, I, I, I kind of hope he sticks it to them and just says, you know what, I'm out of here. If you want to tag me again, that's fine. But they didn't do right by him before, and maybe they try to do right by him now and give him a contract that he deserved pre-injury. And I <laughs> hope I hope Jerry Jones does that. But I I, I just think. It's tough, man. I, I don't know what I would do if I were in his shoes. I just hope he can come back healthy for next year or, or soon thereafter. Same. So let's let's deal with the ramifications here. Um, talk about Andy Dalton real quick. Where do you move wide receivers? Do you think he prioritizes one more than the other? Uh, is everybody just kind of generally getting a downgrade, or do you think there's a shakeup possibly there? And aren't they lucky that they, they signed Dalton? I mean – I, I think the logic behind signing Dalton probably had to do with a fear of Dak holding out. Mm-hmm. So they, they fell 
really luckily into having him as a backup, probably the best backup quarterback any team had on roster. So it's not as massive as a downgrade to these wide receivers as most teams losing their starting quarterback would be. He did seem to have eyes for Gallup after he came into that game. So I think that's interesting. I don't want to overreact to that too much, but he is kind of the type of receiver that Andy Dalton, I think, had in Cincinnati. So I think that could be kind of a natural fit for him. I think CeeDee Lamb has, is going to be used. In the slot, a quarterback like Dalton, he's going to look for the middle of the field first, I think. So I think CeeDee Lamb's going to be just fine. It does This game for Cooper does concern me a little bit just because of all the options they have. If he falls out of favor a little bit with Dalton or if if Dalton prefers galloping Lamb, I could see that certainly being a possibility. So if anyone is hurt by this the most, my money would be on Amari Cooper. Okay. And one thing I saw in this game that, you know, Tony Romo was, was too busy waxing poetic about how good of a hire Mike McCarthy was, and he wasn't talking about what was obviously going on the field. They benched Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb for almost two straight drives. I don't know why. Cedric Wilson and uh, who was the other guy who just made some plays last week, along with Gallup, took the snaps. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on his Noah name. Noah Yeah, Brown. Noah Brown. Thank you. Yes, Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson took almost two consecutive drives, and Cooper and CeeDee Lamb were off the field. There was no injury reported. There was nothing that I could see that they either of them did wrong. But they got benched for almost a quarter here, and I haven't heard an explanation as to why. Um, But I think you hit the nail right on the head. Michael Gallup feels a lot more like what Andy Dalton worked with in Cincinnati. I don't know that – did Tyler Boyd have big years when Dalton was there? I mean, maybe he had one good year out of the slot. But I'm a little concerned about CeeDee Lamb. I think it's a general downgrade for everyone, but – um, I guess I am a little bit nervous about CeeDee Lamb and where his targets go going from here. Certainly worth watching. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's got to be a downgrade for everyone. Dak Prescott's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. But Andy Dalton, he's not the 34th best quarterback in the league. He's probably somewhere in the 20s. So, yeah, yeah it's a downgrade. But this is a team with such a bad defense that they're going to be passing the ball a lot. So, I think there's going to be targets to go around. There's going to be volume. I think a lot of these guys are still going to put up numbers. Unfortunately, the ceiling dropped a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's yes. I think that's exactly the way to put it. The ceiling on everybody dropped, although maybe the baseline hasn't changed all of that much. Um, real quick, let's touch on Darius Slayton. He balled out in this game. He looked awesome. Uh, Dan Jones still doesn't impress me. But Darius Slayton sure as heck does. Um, real quick, in in terms of fantasy or dynasty price, what, are, are you paying a first? Would you pay a first for Darius Slayton? <sighs> I put you on the spot here. Well, it's a good question because I don't have an easy answer for you. Yeah. I I think it's about what you should ask for if you're mm-hmm. selling him. I guess it's really situational. If you need a receiver and that's what's out there, then yes, I guess it's kind of a supply and demand type thing. I mean, every, every trade is made in its own little vacuum, so it's kind of hard to speculate in a generality. But yeah, I guess to answer your question, I think that's what he's probably worth. Yeah, I think the I think the offer to start with, if you're really looking to go down that path, is is a first rounder for Darius Slayton in a second and see if you get interest and then maybe there's some place you can work from there 
Um, I don't want to get too long on this game because we got one more game and we're still running long. Um, the uh, Minnesota-Seattle game, heartbreaker here at the end of the game for Minnesota. Um, do you want to start on the Minnesota or the Seattle side? I think we should start on the Minnesota side because okay. Seattle side, I don't really think it's a ton to talk about for fantasy other than maybe DK, but the more interesting things in this game were the Vikings running game. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook was performing really well until he hurt his hamstring. And then Alexander Madison came in and looked just as good or better than Dalvin did in that game. So I think if you roster Dalvin Cook and you didn't already have Madison, you did yourself a massive disservice and you need to go get him. Yeah, I tend to agree. And, you know, we brought this up early in the in the season about um, how much more do you need Madison now that they're starting to lose because Cook's been banged up through his career do they sort of shelve him the moment something goes? I Yeah, I would go pay whatever. I don't even need to be a Cook owner at this point. I would go pay to go get Alexander Madison. Um, obviously, Cook's there long term, but he, there's going to be four or five starts every year where Cook is either hurt or there's split touches. Or I'm just a big fan of the talent. I think we got to steal in this kid in the third round. And uh, I, I really hope they do what's best for Dalvin going into a bye after the Atlanta game. I hope they give him the week off and we can really just see Alex uh, really, really take this backfield over. Um, real quick, I, I think we, we should be a little bit critical of this coaching staff. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, there's no way Dalvin Cook gets 21 touches in the first half to, I think Madison had like three or four. That was just stupid. And it, it, we, we got exactly what we deserved for it. And hopefully they'll learn their lesson going forward because that's what we did last year. We featured both at like a 60-40, and that's what you saw in Cleveland with Stefanski, uh, Chubb and Hunt in a 60-40. I think that is a a smart move to make for this team, and I, I it really frustrates me that they uh, that they gave him as much as they did uh, because it was never going to be sustainable. Um, what do you think about Justin Jefferson kind of disappearing? Is there anything to make there? Or just better days are ahead. Well, the first to kind of piggyback off your Stefanski mm-hmm. and Kubiak Stefanski praise and Kubiak criticism, it is kind of shocking to me how big of a drop off we've gotten this year in coordinating from Stefanski to Kubiak. Stefanski, I know he took a lot of criticism from the media and certain fans base, but man, they they didn't realize how good we had it with him. I think he was a really creative play caller and a great hire for the Cleveland Browns, and certainly a guy I miss having coordinating my favorite team and yeah i've been very very unimpressed with gary kubiak as an as a play caller for this team i i think the old guard kind of needs to go and in with the new younger creative minds i i just yeah the 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 splits between cook and madison their usage has been kind of inexcusable i totally agree but yeah sorry to to answer your question on Jefferson, I mean, this is just a weird team. When they get in this big of a zone running the ball, these some of these receiving options are going to have off nights, and it's just going to be really hard to figure out what, when these things are going to come. You, if, if you roster Vikings receivers, you almost hope that they're in a negative game script and, and not getting what they want out of their running game. Well, other than Adam Thielen, because it feels like he's the one consistent in this offense passing-wise, that he's going to get his targets – and to your point with Kubiak, I don't know if this is a Cousins thing or it's a Kubiak thing, but to me, and this this bore itself out last year just more publicly with the digs and the Thielen controversy, and then it was the Rudolph thing. Uh, it feels to me like they're 
going into games with a game plan of we're going to get Thielen involved and then we're going to get this player involved. This week it was Irv Smith. You could tell right away they wanted to get him involved. And it's like, that's great. We need Irv Smith involved. But don't forget about Justin Jefferson along the way. And again, I don't know if that's play calling or if that's Kirk not being able to see the whole field. But it is frustrating to see them really sort of focus on guys as opposed to just seeing the whole field and, and letting it come to them. Um, so that's kind of a bigger takeaway. And again, I don't have a good answer if it's Cousins or if it's Kubiak. I, I don't think we'll ever know. Um, I think we should move over to the uh, to the uh, Seattle side. Um, like you said, I don't think there's a bunch to touch on here, but I, I wanted to talk just DK Metcalf general dynasty value. How many names are you taking over DK Metcalf at the wide receiver position strictly uh, right now? And I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. So let me just read the list of names that I could at least come up with that I think, you know, I might. Tyreek Hill is, is the one given for me. Of Hopkins, Adams, Diggs, Ridley, and Michael Thomas, are you taking any of those players right now over, over DK Metcalf or anybody else that you can think of? That's a really tough question. I think I'd still take Devontae Adams. Okay. But it's close. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's anyone else. Okay. And see, Hopkins and Adams were the two most difficult for me. Um, and I was actually a little bit, I thought it was a little bit tougher based on what we've seen out of Hopkins in Arizona. Um, but those were the two that were the toughest for me. But I'll be honest with you, the only one I can definitively say I would rather have than DK Metcalf is, is Tyree Kill. So, He's in a very, very elite tier right now. Um, and I don't know that everybody's quite fully adjusted. He might be a buy high. if as, I mean, he's on a meteoric rise right now, and he still may be a buy. Um, and that's, that's just maybe how good this kid is. Um, I don't have anything else here. This was our last game. Was there anything you wanted to, to finish with here before we kind of uh, sign off? Um, no, I think we've touched on... Most okay. of the important talking points here. So we, we can get on to, to whatever we have left here. Well, I think the one thing we have left is uh, MVP. We said we were going to track that on the uh, the recap shows. Is is Russell – so we both said Russell uh, last Tuesday. Is that still where you're at? Yeah, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers could be gaining on him pretty quick. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm at too. He's, he's obviously on bye this week, but I thought he – slightly edged Russell last week. And so I was already getting closer to uh, saying Aaron Rodgers as my pick. And then I, I feel like we did do some things to slow him down, maybe gave the league a little bit of a blueprint on what to do in terms of playing that cover too high all game and making him check it down and throw it underneath and seeing if they can beat you that way. Um, so just on that, and just to be a little different, I'll say Aaron Rodgers and, and, also still holding out reservations for Josh Allen, who we'll see tomorrow night. And I think we'll break that down on the, that, that game down on the preview show. Cause we haven't seen Titans in, in quite some time. Um, Very excited for that game. Yeah. So real quick, before we get out of here, um, next, next episode will be recorded on Thursday night. It'll be in your ears on Friday morning. Um, we're going to do a week five preview. We'll do our game draft, uh, give you the, the games we're most excited to see. Um, and then what's our segment uh, for the uh, second half of the show on Thursday? The idea that I had is since we did this, I believe, 
two weeks ago, we came up with the five names each that we were most disappointed in ourselves for not having shares mm-hmm. of. So I thought this week we could do the inverse of that, the five names that we have on a lot of our teams that we were right about. So we can go through our process on why we liked them and why we were right about it. So hopefully we can kind of teach you or teach ourselves, if nothing yeah. else, of what process went right. So I think that should be a fun exercise trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's been a tough tough year in, in, in a few ways. So an episode where I get to pat myself on the back a little bit doesn't sound too bad. So <laughs> uh, you can look forward to that. Uh, that'll be in yours on Friday. Um, I am at Dynasty Oasis on Twitter. Newt's your Twitter handle? At Nasty Newt's, N-A-S-T-Y-N-E-U-T-Z. Perfect. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe and, and rate the show if you, if you have time and you feel inclined to do so. Uh, it would help us out a lot. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll see you on Friday. And uh, if you're listening to this on October 13th, happy birthday, Jerry Rice, the second greatest wide receiver of all time. Next to DK Metcalf, who they were comparing him to last night. Uh, I'll go Randy Moss. (laughs) All right, fair (laughs) enough. All right, have a good week, guys.